0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Palmico dog training QA. So, these Palmico as are held in the Palmico Inner Circle, and the Palmico Inner Circle is a closed Facebook group for people who have signed up to the Palmico Dog Guide. And the Palmico Dog Guide is a separate website on its own where we have a whole bunch of videos which are designed to help you to train your own dog. So right from uh, training a pup, if you're getting a young pup and you want to know how to get everything right with a young pup right from the start, um, through to retraining older dogs, there's loads in there. Um, If you jump on Palmico on Facebook or Instagram, links are in the bio on Instagram and at the shop now button on Facebook, Palmico Dog Training on Facebook and Instagram. And if you hit those links, have a look around. It's pretty easy to find the links on there. Quite a bit of a few posts pointing to it. And um, if you go through to our, that website at the link, um, there's heaps of info, um, free videos, trailers, and a whole bunch of stuff there you can find out about that. Um, but for now, we're going to get into this QA. So these questions are from people that are following the Palmico dog guide. And we hold these q and so we can sort of answer people's questions and help people through issues they're having with their dogs. So Alan here has a terrier male puppy who was born January 2nd. Um, this is a question from a while ago. Um, we have started trying to do the stop command with him by saying, sit, Ernie. When he doesn't sit, we try to gently push his bum down, and that's what we do um, early on when we're training with a pup. Um, we basically say sit we're linking an action with a command and we just say sit we say the dog's name so the dog's name here is Ernie so you say Ernie sit gently push the pup's bum down as soon as they're sitting and relax you give them a pat and you're linking that sit command Ernie sit with the action of the pup sitting and then as soon as they're sitting they get praise and it generally goes pretty well and, and pups and dogs pick it up very quick there's a whole heap more to it than that that's the first step um and the sit command, which is basically our stop command is something we work on for weeks and weeks and we go through loads of different steps um, as our dog as we progress through our training. But the very first step is just that. Ernie sit, push the bum down, as soon as I sit in, give them a pat and we're linking the action to the command. So Alan's doing that and he's saying When we're doing that, when we're saying sit and pushing the pup's bum down and trying to give them a pat for being in the right place and doing the right thing, um, he starts to mouth us and goes silly. So this is, and this is a relatively common uh, issue people can have with pups, um, and it's often a bit of a phase. Alan goes on to say he also does this behavior when we praise him and pat for a good sit, we use the command of disapproval, but we are not sure what is best to do, as could it be confusing him with a sit and a command of disapproval as the two happen so close together. Thanks. So in <clears throat> the command of disapproval is in in Palmico dog training, we basically put we put praise on what we do want, pressure on what we don't want, praise on what we do want. So in the case of uh training a pup to sit, we would say you would say Ernie sit and then push the pup's bum down if Ernie's not sitting just gently push the pup's bum down as soon as it's it's sitting it's doing what we want it to do then we put a bit of praise on it and that's just a, a simple calm pat, and saying good dog good dog now if early on we're not going for full compliance with the with a really young pup that's sort of further on down the track but if a pup were to start trying to bite me while I'm trying to pat it during a sit drill, I would use the command disapproval straight away. I would switch very quickly from "good dog, good dog" as soon as that pup starts to mouth I was go ah no ah cut it out, you know. Pressure on what we don't want, and um, you know it's it's really important that we do that too. We need to let a dog, a pup or dog, know this. Is what you need to let them know when they're doing the right thing. You need to let them know when they're doing the wrong thing too. And um, so my basic answer to that question, you know, it, it sounds like the way you've you've phrased that, Alan, is you're saying um, we use the command of disapproval but we're not sure what is best to do is could it be confusing him with the sick command and command of disapproval as the two happen so close together. Um, so it sounds like you're a little bit apprehensive to use that command of disapproval in that stop drill and while you do want to, uh, you don't want to overdo it, you don't want to go for too much compliance with a young pup and that and, and we don't do that, you know, in the first month of training with a young pup we're just linking actions to commands, we're not going for full compliance. Um, a lot of it's just giving the command while well, the pup's doing it anyway or gently pushing it into the sit position, you know, um, Ernie sit, Ernie sit, and then Ernie sits some bit of a pat, and then get up and go. We're not, ah, no, stay there, and making it stay and comply. We're just linking actions with commands. But later on, as we start to go for compliance, then you do have to begin using the command of disapproval, and you don't want to be apprehensive and wishy-washy about using it. You need to be very black and white and very clear, and... If you ask the pup to sit, you tell it to sit. If it doesn't sit, you push its bum down. If it goes to get up before you want it to, you you want to stop it. You want to cut it off with a command to prove. Ah, no, sit it back down. As soon as it relaxes, give it a pat. You know, it's it's the sit drill is something that you should have very few problems with if you're doing everything right. That mouthing thing is a different. Uh, is a different issue and it is a phase that pups can go through and with some pups um, it can be quite it can be a difficult time um, and you're trying it you're trying to get your pup to sit and stay and you're trying to and it, when it is sitting then you're trying to pat it and it's trying to mouth you and next thing that's paws are getting up off the ground it's trying to paw you and mouth you and it's more interested in playing and rough and tumble than it is doing the stop drills and my advice there would be just to slow down and try to step back. Um, don't tr- don't um, get into any unnecessary conflict with the young pup through trying to go for compliance with the stop drill. Um, you're far better off just slowing down a bit and staying in that mode that we're in really early on in the first month of training with a young pup where you're just trying to link actions to commands and if the pup's not quite ready to do it yet you're better off just disengaging and not doing it for a while and just getting done what you can get done without getting into conflict with your pup and as they get older and mature you'll start to get more and more little windows where you'll say Ernie sit and he'll sit down and then you give him a pat and you're like oh and he'll think this is actually quite nice getting a pat, sitting here and the minute he starts mouthing you or pouring you just pull away and disengage and get up and walk and if your timing's really good with that the pup learns very quickly that pouring and mouthing just makes you disengage and walk away and if you say Ernie sit and he sits down you're going to stay there giving him a nice pat and saying good boy Ernie good boy the minute he starts pouring you or biting you, you can also link that with a command of disapproval. The second he opens his mouth on your hand or lifts a paw and scrap claws at you, um, just say, ah, and disengage, pull away and walk away. And then maybe walk for three or four minutes. Try it again. Break your drills up. Don't put your drills too close together. Quite often um, when a pup or dog starts getting... Um, annoyed and stop drills and they're pouring and biting and, and um getting very restless and they're not enjoying it you're doing too much too close together. You need to break it up just with relaxed walking on the, just walk on the long line, man. Just let your dog, your pup or dog walk and be a pup or a dog and then try to do your stop drills at a time where you think your pup might want some engagement with you anyway. And that's what the stop drill should be. It should be hey I want to engage with you and pat you and give you some a pat and some praise and hopefully your pup's in a place where it wants to do that too and you're trying to do it on your terms and just put them into a sit and get them to sit nicely and receive some nice calm praise and interaction with you um so i hope all of that makes sense um You don't want to be apprehensive with your command of disapproval and if a pup or dog is mouthing you and clawing you, um, I'm definitely straight into that command of disapproval. Um, But you don't want it to turn into this conflict thing where you're you're unnecessarily asking a pup or dog to sit and you're getting too full on into it and doing too much of it when your pup or dog doesn't want to do it and you're creating conflict where you're saying sit down at a time when the pup or dog's just not going to sit and now you're in this battle of ah no sit and all of a sudden you're trying to use all these commands and disapprovals the pup's clawing you and mouthing and getting um, completely frustrated that's when you just need to stop and take a step back walk for ages and get your dog relaxed and then try again for a nice calm stop drill i hope that makes sense man um georgia she has a 10 week old rottweiler puppy got her from a breeder eight and a half weeks Who is growling at her whenever i try and stop her doing something or move her or pick her up she also bites me a lot and doesn't let go of things i've tried a stern voice sharp noise example a clap of the hands Pinning, scruffing—I'd stay well away from pinning and scruffing—and um, also ignoring. And so far, nothing is working. If anything, it makes it worse. And her growling sound—her growling sounds like a dog attack. She was the top bitch of her litter of thirteen and is really testing me at the moment. Please help. Any advice would be much appreciated. Now, this is an older question. It's been a while since we've done one of these Q&As and a couple of these questions have been sitting around a while. And I've actually talked to Georgia about this case and her pup was getting a lot of freedom, a lot of freedom all day. And her pup was in a situation where it was sort of just running around free and picking stuff up. And, And this is at 10 weeks old, you know, from sort of eight and a half weeks to 10 weeks old, the pup was spending a lot of time running around, sort of doing what it wanted and then every now and again Georgia was kind of trying to interject and say hey no don't do that after a pup's been doing whatever it wanted all day she was trying to turn up and take over and the pup was just not having a bar of it um and and as we spoke about Georgia i think it's just really important that you get a you get a lot of structure in that pup's life and and make sure you're not setting up to fail make sure it's not it doesn't have too much of that freedom and responsibility before it's ready for it and that you're not setting up that situation where your pup's running around all day doing whatever it wants and then all of a sudden you're trying to turn up and take over snatch stuff off it and and take stuff off it and tell it not to do stuff while it's been spending all day doing whatever it wants that's setting up that situation where the pup's just going to be like hey, who the hell are you? What's all this noise of you coming a- turning up and taking over? And i've been doing what i want all day versus if that pup was spending more time in the a kennel or crate less free time just free running around the house doing whatever it wanted um, it was either in a in a smaller confined area or in a crate or a dog run or a better suited area um, and it was a bit more bored sort of sitting there waiting not getting into trouble not running around getting into mischief and picking stuff up and chewing stuff up and dragging stuff around doing whatever it wants it's sort of more confined and then you come home put a long line on it and take it out into a good low distraction training area and actually spend some good quality one-on-one time with it doing some good structured training in a situation where the pup or dog isn't set up to fail it's only set up to succeed then the whole relationship and situation would be completely different, and you wouldn't be creating bad habits or creating these bad interactions between you and your pup. Um, it's it's really really important to get all that stuff right, and that's a classic example of it. Like if you, if you set up your your structure and your dog's lifestyle and routine routine a little bit wrong and all of a sudden you're getting into unnecessary conflict with your pup or dog and you start breaking down your relationship and everything sort of turns to custard. Um, and that's why it's so important to have that structure and crating. And yeah, it's a little bit hard and yeah, the pup's a little bit bored, but by the time you're uh, when you're raising a pup right from an eight-week-old pup, especially with a breed like a Rottweiler, um, but this goes for any breed, um... It's really important to get all that all that stuff right, and by the time your dogs sort of twelve or eighteen months old, everything's sorted and you're good as gold. But if you keep setting a puppy dog up to fail, and you keep having these repeating these these issues and these negative interactions over and over, um, by the time your dogs twelve or eighteen months old, you can actually be in a place where you've got a lot of serious problems that are quite difficult to sort out. So, um, that's my advice there. Leash, hi Paul. We have a 30 kg, 10 month old GSP who is having issues on the lead. We've taken him out into an open space and used change of direction, which has worked great. Our issue is when we walk him on a footpath, he forgets all his training and pulls really hard. We attempt to, to change. We attempt to change direction. Change direction is a, is a, a technique that we use a lot in. Setting up a, a good heel and a good range and good leash work. It's a really useful tool. Um, it's all, all in the Palmico dog guide. We attempt to change direction, but as it's in a small space, it's not always practical. He has a good stop and sit, which we also use. Any advice to help fix this Um Yeah, I would. So what's happening here is you're you're basically telling me you're making good progress and not having issues in one situation, which is out in an open space on a long line, um, and you're having and you're having problems when you're trying to walk them on a on a footpath on a lead. Um, so. The best thing to do in a case like that, if, you, if you're if you working your way through training and you run into a situation or you start taking the pup or dog into a new situation and start experiencing problems there, it's good to take a step back from that situation and keep working with the dog in the last situation that was working. So if if you're making great progress and the change of direction was working well in a in a big open area so I'm guessing like a sports ground or a big park or a rugby field or something like that um, and if everything was going okay there and then you go to a footpath and your dog starts pulling and all of a sudden distractions are much closer and things are a surprise coming around the corner and usually when you're on a footpath there's a road right next to you on one side and these houses with dogs and people and things are coming around the corner and there's all these distractions and it's in a small space and you can't really use a long line um, on a footpath either because you need to pull everything in much closer. Um, I would spend more time out in a big open park where you've got more space. You can get further away from distractions, things can't pop up around the corner. Um, Take a step back in training, get it sorted in that big area where it was working a bit of patience, Ten, a 10-month-old ten male GSP is, is um, there's, usually there's a lot of intensity there. They're usually slow maturing. Um, you need to exercise a lot of patience and, um, and be prepared to take steps back in training or just sit on one step for a long time until that dog's going to be ready to move on to the next step. Cath. Our five-month-old... Sorry, I'm just checking sound. Kath, our five-month lab has done four weeks of long-line training and has a reasonable recall and stop. Our five month our five month lab has done four weeks of long line training and has a reasonable recall and stop. And we'll walk about and we'll walk about low distraction environments with no tension on the line. Okay. A five-month-old lab has a reasonable recall and stop and will walk about low distraction environments pretty well. There are times when I need to put him on a regular collar and lead, but as soon as this is on, he pulls. I am concerned this will become a habit for him. Should I avoid using the regular lead as in brackets as much as possible until he has done more long-line training? Yes, the answer is yes. Or can I also work with them on a lead in low distraction areas and try to correct the pull with change of direction? Yep, you sort of answered. Both your your answers to your own questions are correct. Um, So Kath is basically saying she's got a five-month-old lead that's going pretty good. Um, Stop and recall is pretty good. Um, Good on on the long line and low distraction environments. Um, but when she puts a regular collar on and lead, she's the the dog's pulling. So yeah, that's exactly what I do, Kath. I would, um, again, it's the same as the last one. If you're working your way through training and through through all your steps, you know, um, and one you get one step sorted, you move on to the next one. That goes good, and you're working your way through. And all of a sudden, you try something like that. You put the lead on and try to walk in a new area. there's more distractions or something's a bit different and all of a sudden you start running into problems there and you can't work through them um you know practically or easily and within a session or two then you do you need to take a step back you need to change something take a step back get it more solid in that last situation um which for you would be put the long line back on um Shortening up that long line, the way we, we train a heel, if you're in the Palmico dog guide, um, if you look at the way I train Miko's heel, um, how I just shorten up a long line, that works really well. Um, but your idea of using working with that collar and lead in a low distraction environment and then slowly over time transferring that over into the higher distraction environment is a good idea. Yeah. Um, another question from Ellen, we have a four month old border terrier male pup, during the day we are both at work, he is in his kennel and we walk him in the morning or night, inside he is in the lounge area with us and we crate him for periods of time, we find when he is not in his crate, he is really jumping and hyped up, wanting to lick and mouth and super excited. <clears throat> We repeat the command of disapproval and move away, etc. But we find he might stop for a bit but starts up again. Do we just keep using the crate inside and limit his time out of it? I feel bad having him in there all the time, but he doesn't seem to always settle. When people arrive, he does the same thing, gets all excited and jumpy, etc. Should I be putting him on the lead or in the crate if I know someone is coming in? So Alan has said oh, I'm not sure about using the command of disapproval and my stop command and then Alan's also said oh I'm not sure about putting my papa dog in a crate and my papa dog's mouthy and bitey and it jumps all over us and it's jumping all over everyone else. Sounds like you've been too soft on your dog to me. Um, oh, that's just the general vibe that I'm getting. You're a little bit apprehensive with putting pressure on it. Um any type of terrier um, tends to be, you know, quite a lot of plenty of intensity. You know, um, they tend to to lean on that more intense side, um, quite rambunctious and confident. And um, if your pup or dog's jumping all over you, mouthing and biting, and all of that sort of thing, um, you are a long way off from. Breaking down the relationship between you and your dog through too much pressure. You're actually you're actually doing the opposite. You're not using enough pressure. You're being too soft, and your pup or dog's walking all over you. You need to be harder on it, man. You really do, and um, you know, be firmer with your c- command of disapproval. Um, If it's not going to listen, put it in the crate. Um, The best time to create a better relationship with a dog like that is to take it out into a big, wide open, low distraction area with a long line on it, walk around for a while and run some drills and be firm with your drills. And get that dog to a point where you can start to pet it and praise it and engage with it in a positive way while it's doing what you want it to do and start to get some respect going with that dog and start to get that dog looking to you to work out what you want it to do next so it can listen so you can give it a pat and start to get that whole ball rolling um, very very important okay I'll jump on to these current questions here So Sam's saying, how long do you leave your puppy in the crate dog run? Is it all day and only let it out for the training time? Um, you can leave a puppy in a, well, you can leave a pup in a dog run, all, well, for 8 to 10 hours. I think 8 hours is okay, 10 hours is starting to stretch it much over 10 is starting to stretch it right out um and it all depends on your situation it's perfect if someone you know if, if if you're in that situation where you have to go away and work all day um and you need to be away from home for eight to ten hours there's nothing wrong with waking up letting a pup or dog out of its crate giving it a good half hour or an hour you know maybe a bit of a freedom session outside in a dog proof area running around take it for a walk for half an hour put it put it back in a kennel or crate for 4 hours if someone can come home at lunchtime let it out give it a toilet break spend 10 or 15 minutes with it put it back in for four or five hours come home and let it out again more freedom sessions another training session, another walk, and then plenty of time engaging with the pup or dog inside at night or outside or whatever you're going to do. Um, It's great if you can break it up like that at midday. Um, My thoughts on it is um, it's not ideal leaving a pup or dog in a kennel all day, every day, Um, but you can do it. You can do it and it is okay and you can have a really um, well-trained, happy dog that's in a kennel for 8 or 10 hours, 5 days a week, as long as you're doing all your other stuff correctly and it's getting plenty of fun and exercise morning and night and on the weekends. Um, You know, dogs will naturally sleep up to 17 hours a day anyway, so that's 8 hours during the day and that's 8 hours at night and you've got those other few hours that you've got to keep them going and keep them happy and busy for Um, particularly as they get older um, they're happier to spend that free time what is really important is that you're not giving leaving a a pup or dog or giving a pup or dog too much freedom in a situation where it can begin to learn bad habits so leaving a pup or dog free in sight um, when it's going, when it's not properly house trained, and it's going to the toilet everywhere, and it, you know, going to the toilet all through the house, chewing stuff up, that is training it to go to the toilet in the house and chew stuff up inside, and that's leading you into a situation where you've got a dog that you're never going to be able to leave free inside because it's going to go to the toilet and chew stuff up, and it's the same with leaving a pup or dog free in a dog-proof section. before it knows how to do that without digging holes and chewing stuff up that's what you're training you know and um what a lot of kennel and crate time does is particularly over that first 12 or 18 months of a puppy dog's life even the first 6 or 8 months is very important yeah it's a little bit boring and it's a little bit hard on it and the puppy dog is um it is getting bored and yeah when you get home it's it's a little bit frantic and it's ready to go and it's excited to see you and it's jumping up and it's all full on Um, that's when you need to get it out to give it a freedom session take it for a training session give it a run spend time with it inside at night do all of that stuff but having that pup or dog in a good kennel or a good run or a good dog proof area where it can't destroy anything or dig holes is teaching the dog the habit of being relaxed and off duty and sitting around and not destroying stuff and getting them properly house trained and the way we you know that's what what we go through in the Palmico dog guide how to crate train a pup or dog properly how to super, supervise them inside early on when you're first giving them that freedom inside uncreated inside so they know not to go to the bathroom inside you know um, my dogs are fine to be left inside they're fine inside out of the crate now Um, if I was in a situation where I had to lock my dogs inside for eight hours and go I could Um, I can leave I can leave my dogs outside in the dog proof section um, and they're good you know but if you if you give them, it comes back to that principle of freedom and responsibility, giving a pup or dog too much freedom or responsibility before it's ready for it, is just setting it up to learn bad habits. Um, And once I've got those bad habits, it's harder to give them that freedom and responsibility later on. But if you do it all step by step, and you keep everything controlled and structured, and you do all that kindling and crating early on, now you've got a puppy dog that doesn't have the bad habits and it can actually enjoy more freedom and responsibility later on and more time out of the crate and kennel. It's you've got to do the work first. Um, hope that makes sense. Richard. Enjoying the Palmico dog guide. Thanks. Suggestions for introducing puppy to our kitten we have a 12 week old heading dog pup and a four month old kitten they are only together in the room when supervised but they are constantly scragging i'm guessing that's playing and fighting and stuff cat isn't upset by the dog at all first couple of days He had his tail fluffed up etc but now he keeps coming back for more. It seems pretty harmless so far but we want them to be happy to live together when they are older. I had a terrier when young that did this and then started to seriously hurt our cat when older to the point where we couldn't trust that she wouldn't kill it. Just want to avoid this with the new dog. Um, <laughs> okay, so Richard's saying he's got a young pup and a cat, and the pup and the cat are playing together a lot. And he's thinking it's f- all fun and harmless now, while the pup's three months old. But he's worried about it getting more serious um, as this pup gets older. And uh, this is, you know, this is another situation where. this can be difficult man if you get into problem if you get to the point where you've got a dog and a cat in the same house and the dog gets to the point where it wants to kill the cat you you do have a serious problem and there's no quick fix you know there's no sometimes people ask these questions oh my dog's trying to kill my cat how do you fix that um You make sure you don't put your dog and a cat in a situation where the dog can kill the cat. That's the that's the only hundred percent safe way. There's no drill that you can do. There's no trick. There's no treat. There's no special collie or spray or nothing that's gonna stop your dog that dog wanting to kill that cat. Yeah, you could do st- structured training and um, like we do in the blueprint and um, with a long line on introducing the um, dog to animals and other dogs and people and all that sort of thing um but all you're doing is is you know improving um, impulse control and um um you know just teaching a dog to be more controlled in that situation but you're not eliminating the fact that that dog would actually quite like to kill that cat um it's just something you've got to manage man to be aware of and you know if if you're in you're saying you're in a situation where the pup and the cat are playing together and you had that before where your old dog and cat used to play together and then it got to the point where your old dog was starting to hurt the cat and then you had a problem and you want to avoid it this time i'd probably not let the pup and the cat play together that that's what i'd do um If it's already started and I've already done a lot of it, it's probably going to be quite hard to do from here on out. But, um, you know, with things like that, um, trying to think of a situation, Um, you know, it's like with um, dogs chewing stuff inside uh, or outside for that matter. um, If there's something that I don't want my dogs messing with, You know, and I see them looking at it and even thinking about it, I come down on it like a ton of bricks, man. If I had a cat and I didn't want my dog getting to to the point where it was thinking about maybe killing the cat, I wouldn't let that dog have anything to do with that cat. And if I even seen that dog looking at that cat, I'd say, hey, get out of it. You know, command of disapproval. And if the dog started getting a little bit dodgy around the cat and I saw the dog sort of look at the cat and move towards it in a bit of a, you know, which even looked like a playful way, it would be, oi, ah, get out of it! And I'd stomp my foot, hey! Don't, you that cat has nothing to do with you. You're not to have anything to do with that cat. You know? Um, that's how I'd be with it. Until my dog knew that... <laughs> I'm not meant to have anything to do with that cat. That's how I'd manage that. You know, it's like um, dogs eating off the bench or getting in, getting involved in the kitchen. Um, I've had dogs in the past where, you know, years and years ago when I was a kid, um, that people used to feed the dog off the plate. I used to finish dinner and oh, I you know, here, Cast, you want this? And I'm not going to eat this. And you're giving your dog scraps off the while you're eating. And then people are given feeding the dogs bits and pieces of random stuff while you're cooking. And all of a sudden, the dog's interested in per, per, human food, and the kitchen, and plates, and what's on the bench, and everything. And all of a, now, when you, all of a sudden, when you turn your back, your dog, and you're trying to thaw some meat out on the bench or something. The dog's up there eating your bloomin', you know, your your um, your ribeye steak that you were thawing out to have for dinner that night. But you've basically trained your dog to have interest in your food, and and now when you're turning your back. The, and the dogs into the kitchen any time they get the chance um, my dogs aren't allowed anything to do with um, if my dog, if one of my dogs looks at me while I'm eating I tell them to get out of it but they don't um, or even if my dog even looks towards the kitchen and tries to wander in there and do a bit of a dodgy lap sniffing the ground and they sort of look up at the bench I'm stomping my hey get out of there And they'll slink back out of the kitchen. They know they're not meant to have anything to do with it. And I've been very firm with that right from the start. Um, That would be my tone with the cat. Kath. Six month lab. Sit command is really good at home. When out training. He is so distracted. It's got like three O's on the so. Um, I can't get the sit. Without pushing down on bum despite months of long line. Once sitting, he will stay great until released. His attentiveness to change of direction goes well. And heal improving. Any tips to improve his attentiveness to get the sit went out. I'm tempted to take treats as no this will work. Cheers. Um, I wouldn't use treats. Um, because... It's sort of saying to the dog Okay so I've realised that You're not going to listen to me Um, So here's a treat Will you sit for that I'm wondering how you know It'll work Have you used treats before Is that why your dog Won't sit Without the treats Because it's like No I'm not sitting for the treats Because I know When I don't sit without the treats You just go and get the treats And I want the treats So I'm not going to sit Unless you've got the treats So now Does that make sense? And now your dog's training you. Uh, This is why we don't use treats. Yeah, you can get things to begin happening quicker with treats. But um, sometimes it's better off taking that longer path to get to a better end result, you know, and not have any problems. So, yeah, yeah. Six month old lab, you shouldn't be having any problems with your sit command. Um, I would, if you've been using treats, I would completely eliminate them. Um, I, and if you have used treats, I would get your dog to the point where it knows you're not going to get treats out, get the treats out if it won't listen when you don't have them. And I would get your dog just sitting the first time you say sit. Because it knows if it doesn't sit, you're going to keep insisting that it sits until it does sit. And then as soon as it sits, all it's going to get is a pat and praise and positive interaction from you. And the sooner it sits and it stays there, the sooner you're going to release it and you can move on again. And I'd take the whole treat thing out of it. Um... There's nothing I can really tell you to get your stop or your sit going better that isn't in the Palmico dog guide. Um, but that whole treat thing is is I'm tempted to take treats as I know this will work. Um, I'll be interested to know if you've used treats before. If you're still listening, Kath, have you used treats with that dog before? I'll be interested to know. Um, Yeah. Um, Debbie 3 year old Steffi Bull era rescue dog we've had since 8 weeks always had anxiety issues and very reactive I've been doing the training with her and it's been going well. The problem is she is aggressive to anyone in the street or strangers that come to the house. She lunges at strangers and I cannot walk too close to anyone because she will bite. I think she has been overprotective of me. She's not like this with us at home. Can this be fixed? The vet said she is one of the most reactive dogs she's seen. Um... If it's to the point where your dog's acting like it wants to bite someone, um, if it's at that level, then I'm not comfortable giving you saying, yes, it can definitely be fixed, or no, it definitely can't be fixed, based on a comment on Facebook. Um, that type of thing is sort is, is really is outside of the scope of a, the the Q and A. Um, I'd be interested to talk to you. Um, yeah, maybe on the phone or something, or flick us a message. Um, I'd be interested to know where you're based, but yeah, it's it's. You've had it since you was eight. Had since eight weeks. yeah it's a bit of a diff- different kettle of fish when um a dog is looking at biting other dogs or other people it's sort of a whole different level um and that sort of serious dog on dog aggression and any type of person aggression isn't really my um speciality so flick us a message debbie and we'll, we'll chat about this and we'll go from there um Richard, so far we really only have, so this is Richard talking about the cat and the dog. So far we really only have one or the other in the room with us, or have pup in the crate, as cat only occasionally shows interest in her there. Otherwise we're using the command of disapproval, which works for pup, but not the cat. Happy to maintain exclusion until they are both older but is it something that they'll grow out of and what would be a good way to foster mutual respect man i'm I'm more of a dog person than a cat person (laughs) yeah it's really something i don't i don't have cats um i've never trained dogs to not show interest in cats i've trained i mean you know for example um I've trained bird dogs to not have interest in birds, I've trained a lot of dogs to not have interest in um, different types of animals, um, you know, like deer dogs to not have interest in possums, and you know, I've got Miko to the point where she completely ignores the pook echoes in the, in the reserves in the middle of town here, um, and she's got a lot of drive towards um, birds, and the way I did that was reading and timing, reading and timing is very, very important. And the second she even looks at a poo echo, I say, get out of it. Get out of it, real, like, hit it, timing, man, right on the button. Oh, so Kath's saying she hasn't been using treats. Um, okay, I'll talk about that in a second, Kath. Um Again, man, what I said earlier, I would just be ton of bricks. That dog is not to have anything to do with that cat. It's not even meant to look at it. That cat should not exist to the dog, and that's what Miko's like with the echoes. I was real. I've been working on it a lot. Um, there's also Pukikos at my mum's place, um, and I've actually got. We're we'll talking about this in the in the wrap up videos that we're going to put in the Pal Miko dog guide um, when we get back in a couple of weeks, but um, uh and i've got footage of miko chase the pukeko's you know i was talking um in the pal miko dog guide about miko has broken a couple of times and had bit of a romp bit of a run um and i've tried to use my stopper recall command she hasn't listened and she's just gone for a run i got that on footage and it was chasing Blum and pukeko's so i've been very um diligent and very careful and strict. Um, And that was her whole vice. That was her thing. That was the thing that she chose to do was she chased that one bird one day. Um, Early on, I wasn't careful enough and we're down at the beach and I had her just dragging the long line and a bird come flying past real low and um, Miko took off after it and I went, Miko, come! And she just switched her ears off and went and she went on like a sort of probably a one-minute romp about a couple of hundred metres up the beach chasing this bird and then she realised how far away from me she was and she turned turn around and come back and ever since then she's tried to do it a couple of times and it's been a little bit dicey. Um, and I've been very careful over the last couple of months and she's got to the point now where um, it just doesn't even exist. We come around the corner, I was actually riding the bike and had her off the leash, off the long line, um, completely free running and I come round the corner and there was two Pukeko's just walking on the grass and um, Miko sort of half turned and seen them, and it like it was like there wasn't they weren't even there. We just ran on past, you know. So, and that was by being really careful, really trying to eliminate the situation. And if I was going into a situation where there were birds, I was right on the long line. And if Miko looked at them, I was like, "Ah, get out of it!" Very firm on it. Check on the long line. No, uh, just any time she was showing interest towards birds, I was. Command disapproval, putting pressure on it until she learnt that birds aren't for me. We're walking past them. Um, And it's blooming worked, man. So, uh, you know, stuff like that, it's not easy. Some of those things aren't easy to deal with, man. And, you know, in the case of Miko with that bird thing, um, that's six months in the making. Six months of, okay, I've got a problem with this. I've got to be really careful, really diligent, um, not set her up to fail on it. And I'm going to have to work really hard. And if I do everything just right, I should be okay. And it looks like I'm okay. Um, Yeah. Uh, So CAF hasn't been using treats. Um, Man. Yeah, so I'm going to read this question again. Six month lab. sick command is really good at home. Went out training is so distracted I can't get the sit without pushing bum pushing down on bum despite a month of on the long line once sitting he will stay great until released his attentiveness to change direction goes well and improving okay <clears throat> Yeah, so Kath, I had this and I've talked about this in other Q and A's it's a bit of a it's a real go-to story for me um, on this one. I had a similar thing with Print Um, you would have seen Print in the Palmico Dog Guide and Print's a dog that we made another dog training series with, huge amount of training and structure went into him and he had a thing where everything was perfect, everything was tracking well, it was a really easy dog once he was on the sit, he was perfect, he'd stay everything was perfect but he would not I had to push his bum down, exact same thing exact same thing and I'd say Print sit every time I said that he'd stop and he'd turn around and just stand there looking at me and I'd have to step in, print sit, push his bum down and then once he was sitting, he was fine and I'd do the whole stop drill and then we'd go again and then ten minute, five minutes later, two minutes later I'd say print sit and he'd turn around and stand there looking at me I'd have to step in, push his bum down and he just did. I did that for weeks and I can't tell you how many times I did that for and then one day I see print sit and he just sat down. And I did the whole stop drill. We carried on. Took five minutes later, print sit, and he just sat and he just started doing it. You know, and, and sometimes you just reach a funny little sticking point with a dog like that. And the best thing to do is just say, hey, everything else is going okay, everything's going fine. It's still only six month, months old. It's still pretty young. Um and just rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat and um your dog will pick it up. And it happens to everyone, To to, you know, funny little things like that happen to everyone, with every dog. Um, And some dogs just have their funny little sticking points, like Miko with the Bloomin' Birds. Um, And I just had to, like, grip my teeth and um, bear it and deal with it as best I could and just wait for her to come on in her own time. Um, So I think that's it. I think we've got on top of it here um again sorry for the delay on this it's been a while since we've done one of these um and thanks for everyone for being so patient with us you guys have been great um there's been no complaints no it's said, it. hey when's the i think we've had a couple of questions people just just wondering when the next one is coming up but yeah it's, it's awesome um so we'll be back in a couple of weeks um and Updating you on Miko and um, putting new videos in the Palmico Dog Guide, you'll see Facebook and Instagram firing back up and we'll be all go. So, um, thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to everyone who signed up to the Palmico Dog Guide. Um, If you're listening and you haven't signed up to the Palmico Dog Guide and you want to learn more about it, you can go to Palmico Dog Training on Facebook and Instagram um also youtube there's a ton of stuff there or a heap of q and a's and things um but if you go to Palmico dog training on facebook instagram or youtube and have a look around check out the link in the bio or the shop now button on facebook or have a look in a few descriptions or whatever you'll find links to the Palmico dog guide and there's a full trailer loads of information and options there um and you can also always flick us a message or ask us a question too so Thanks, everyone. We will see you soon.